We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Walk-On Sports Bistro. I'm Neil McCready. That is MPW digital football expert Pete DeWeese. Back after a uh, Ole Miss open date, I'm going to guess that his high school team probably continued to practice and play, but we got an open date from this. Took a Wednesday night off. It was good. I got to go see uh, an Oxford high school soccer game that night. So it worked out really, really good for me. Uh, going to preview number 10, Alabama, which sounds incredible to say. 10th ranked Alabama at number 11, Ole Miss. 2.30 CBS on Saturday at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. We'll get to that in just a minute. First, I want to remind you that we're brought to you each and every week by our great friends at Walk-On Sports Bistro, where they put everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine like po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp. Plus, they have fan favorites like juicy burgers, fresh salads, all of that in front of 70-plus TVs, more than 40 ice-cold beers on tap. If you're coming into town this weekend, make uh, make Walk-On's part of your weekend. Um Friday night, early Saturday, late Saturday, uh, Sunday. If you're staying around to watch some of the NFL games on Sunday, they'll have those on as well at Walk-Ons. And if you're not coming to town, you live in the Jackson area, stop by Walk-Ons in Ridgeland. Maybe you can uh, watch the game at 2.30. They've got games before that, a lot of eyes on LSU-Arkansas with people cheering against the uh, Tigers. And then, of course, uh, Mississippi State and georgia in Starkville on Saturday night. So a lot of those games that you can watch on all the different TVs there at Walk-Ons in Oxford or Richland. Pete, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Good. Uh, I don't even know where to start here. Ole Miss gets an open date after beating Texas A&M. And here it is. It's Alabama. It's a chance, uh, I think, to find out exactly maybe what this team is. After nine games, which sounds crazy, and that always sounds a little bit condescending, and I don't mean for it to. Ole Miss is eight and one. Eight and one's really good. They've they've played the schedule that was been put in front of them, but here comes Alabama, and Alabama coming in, you know, off a couple of losses. Really, they 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 lose in Knoxville, they lose in Baton Rouge. They're not playing well on the road. They they flirted with disaster against Texas and Austin. Uh, I, I think at least toyed with it in Fayetteville uh, earlier in the season as well. So. Here they are. Uh, what do you, in general, before we dive into it here in a minute, what do you make of the Crimson Tide, especially as a road team? You know, I I just think in, in general, I mean, I, they're still a good football team. I mean, they're, they're still a 
they're a program that can walk into a stadium on any given Saturday and give anybody in the country a game. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the whole sky is falling thing is, is to me stupid. Um, but I, I do think it's a, a little bit of a sign. I mean, as, as NIL and as the portal continues to play out over the next couple of years, we're going to see some transition and, and some shifts. And, and we've seen some of that with the way that Ole Miss has been able to inject talent, right? We've seen the path that Texas A&M took where they used NIL in particular to bring in a loaded class on top of talent, but those young kids still need to develop, right? And then the flip side of that is is you have programs like Alabama that they didn't have to exist in their world and they created profound success. And as the world has changed around them, they have benefited from from transfer portal. I mean, Jameer Gibbs coming on to that roster certainly made them a better offense. Um, Jermaine Burton's one of their top receivers. He was in Georgia. Like they benefited last year with the the receiver from Ohio State, and so they they've dabbled in that world too. And 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 they're always going to be successful recruiting as long as Saban is there. And Alabama's always going to have a, a, an infrastructure that's going to allow them to get recruits because they always have, even before it was what it is now. And but I do think that you see some of the. You know, you're not going to hear me say a bad word about Saban because he's the best to ever do it. I mean, I, he he truly is in so many facets. He's the goat, but but at the same time, he and his staff they're probably trying to figure out their path in a way that's different from a lot of teams. Lane Kiffin knew his path when he got to Oxford. He knew what he had to do to inject talent on his roster, right? Kirby. His path looks a little bit different, right? Because he he had brought in all this talent. He just now he's used it to continue to bolster, and he hadn't had to do it through portal. He's been able to do almost all of it out of high school classes. And so, I think with Saban, for so long we got so used to watching some of the best wide receiver cores in the history of college football with great quarterback play, great offensive line play a string of running backs, you know, for, for for over a decade. We got so accustomed to that. And now you watch them and you're like, oh, well, they're not that good. Well, they don't have four first-round receivers like they had on one roster two years ago. Right. It doesn't mean they're not a good football team. So I, I think that any any talk of the the demise of, of Alabama and the fall of the empire is, is way too early. I do think it signals the – potential parity that is on the horizon in a lot of different ways, right? I mean, right now, okay, it is hard to argue that Georgia is not the best football team in the country, but you look around and who is second, third, fourth? Michigan is a really good football team. My in-laws right outside of Columbus are going to scream Buckeyes till they die, right? My wife's in the next room screaming the same thing. Um, and and they're a very good football team, but they've they've shown some some chinks in the armor, right? For sure. Um, Just last, you know, week. Tennessee. If Georgia has to go into Neyland Stadium, I don't. And the it's dry. It's still going to be a hell of a ball game, but I don't know. I, maybe the results look different, and and you can kind of say the same thing about Alabama, right? If that game's not in Tiger Stadium last week, if they don't go to Neyland Stadium, 
Um, how, how differently are we talking about their schedule? Same side of that is, is LSU is clearly a very good football team that has found their way. If they're in Oxford and that game's not in Baton Rouge, how does it, how, how does it look? Right. So I think you talk about specifically Alabama on the road. Um, you know, that is obviously to Ole Miss's advantage, but, but it, it doesn't just mean that, oh, Alabama's flailing and faltering and this is going to be an easy win for Ole Miss. And I don't think most people expect that. Um, but you turn on the tape and you still see flashes of, of Alabama and what we think of Alabama. Um, you just don't see it as consistently, maybe with the same flash that we're used to seeing it. I know you don't know this because you're not inside their brains and we haven't seen this in 12 years. So I'm just asking your opinion here. And if you end up being wrong and I end up being wrong, so be it. Um, This is the first game Alabama has played in 12 years. Think about that for a minute. 12, three presidential cycles. (laughs) I mean, you know, yesterday we take this on Wednesday. Yesterday was election night, the midterms. So the last time that Alabama played an inconsequential game, Barack Obama was in his first term going through his first midterms. That's <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, it, it's... We, we finished Barack Obama's first term. He had a second term. Donald Trump had a term. And now we're halfway through Joe Biden's first term. That's just to put it in political perspective. That's not a right or left thing. It's just it's, terms. It's, it's unbelievable. Since they've played an inconsequential game. And this game, I mean, barring a nutty deal. A nutty deal would be Alabama wins out, LSU loses at Arkansas and to Texas A&M. So that's what it would require for Alabama to get in back into the SEC championship picture. It's a lot of ifs. A lot of ifs. Um, so in, in all likelihood, this is inconsequential from a championship standpoint. How do you anticipate they will respond to that? I know you don't know, but what do you kind of guess? You know, I, I think that that ultimately, and it's why they've been so successful, and the players obviously matter, but the one thing Nick Saban has done, and he talks about it nonstop, is, is the standard is the standard, Right. And, and the standard doesn't change and the standard doesn't falter. And so when, when you are Alabama, the, the conversation this week, and, and you've seen it in, in a couple of the quotes that I've seen on social media since Saturday, um, is, is the standard remains the standard. And even if the end goal will not get them where they want to be at, at this point, it is about legacy and it is about maintaining that standard. And so I'm sure that's the message throughout that locker room. Um, you know, nobody's gonna have a better grasp on 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 what that team needs to hear and than than the coaches that are that are in that room with them or in that staff room. Um and, and so I, I think that that's probably a they're you know maybe they're talking about hey there's no pressure. Right. But the standard is the standard, but now you can cut you can you can be free. Right. Um the, but the, I guarantee the one thing that Nick Saban is telling that team is you've lost two games, both on the last play of the game, and and you've lost them to two of the top teams in college football. And and so I, I think that's that's probably just a big part of that message is, is continue to be you, find a way to finish, and, and put ourselves in the conversation where the standard remains the standard. That's what I kind of think, too. I just – 
it's an interesting psychological thing, a program that is built on, hey, come here, win championships, go to the league. It, you know, if you are – if you're Tennessee, if you're Ole Miss and, and you're – you know, you're having a season where maybe you're in some uncharted territory and, and everybody's talking big like they were about Tennessee, and then all of a sudden you lose to Georgia and maybe they turn around and say they lose to somebody else this week or next week. You worry about, okay, how's that last game of the season going to go? Because all of a sudden this ego has been built and suddenly it's it's been crashed. But it's different in Alabama because it's not going to crash and stumble, right? It's not going to fall to the ground. It's It's, okay, there's a dent. Right, we're not broken, um, and and I, I that's that ultimately to me I, I think is the big thing is they still have a quarterback that's a great football player, right? They they still have weapons around him, and and no matter how happy or unhappy people are with Bill O'Brien or with uh, Panic Pete, you know, is is those guys are still good at what they do, so. All right, we're going to get to Alabama and Ole Miss in a second. The the game other people are talking about, and I asked you about this before we started. You and I, I think, share the same opinions. We'll be brief here. There will be a lot of eyes at 11 a.m. on Fayetteville <clears throat> uh, cheering for – it would be weird for Ole Miss people. Believe me, I know. I hear from you. I, I refuse to. Y'all hate them. I get it. Um, everyone hates Arkansas, but you need Arkansas to help you on Saturday, and if they don't, you suddenly have to cheer for the Colts. So it's one or the other. Uh, assuming you you beat Alabama, but Arkansas gets a shot at them in Arkansas on uh, 11 a.m. on Saturday. In in your world, in your mind, you know what you watch a lot of football. Is there any path for the Razorbacks to beat uh, LSU? That rivalry game traditionally has the potential to be one of the wildest rivalry games. I mean, Lord knows when when Houston Nutt was still at Arkansas in those last couple of years, it just felt like every year something crazy was happening in the, in those games, and and so that always exists in a rivalry game. But at the end of the day, just the way Arkansas is playing defense um, versus the way that LSU is playing offense, it is hard for me to imagine. Um, it, it's hard for me to imagine them being able to stop, and and Arkansas offensively has produced. Um, at times, um, their point total probably doesn't match their yard production as you kind of look at the stats. Um, but I, I don't know either. I mean, they're, they're playing a really good LSU defense that's that's flying around, and they're going to be able to do some things. And if, if they can control Jefferson a little bit in the run game in particular, um, I, I, I don't I don't see a, a, a clear path for Arkansas to win that game. Unless unless true old school rivalry game breaks out and crazy things happen, I agree with you completely. I, I, I in fact, from a betting standpoint, I love LSU minus three. It just feels like I, I mean, it, minus exactly. three. It's take out a second mortgage, and yeah, I mean, I know I, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I I don't understand that line at all, and I'm sure Vegas knows something I don't, and I'll be proven wrong. Um, um, but I'm with you completely. I just I don't see it. All right, let's get to Ole Miss and uh, Alabama. The line's about 11 and a half, 11, depending on your, your sports book of choice. Uh, take it away. Cheers. So, you know, I, I think that um, Alabama has always been known for their defense and, and for being, uh, you know, for, for being obviously a, a really good defensive football team. And so as, as, as we share screen here, I kind of want to start by talking about defensively 
what Alabama is, how I think you can see Kiffin try to attack them. And I, I'd hope to have some time to go back and, and watch. I, I have a lot of distinct memories on how Kiffin attacked two years ago, first year in Oxford, um, and the way that he attacked Alabama and the success that they were able to find. I don't have a ton of distinct memory from last year's game in Tuscaloosa. I think maybe I tried to block it out of my mind, and I was hoping but to get some time to go back. The rails so fast last year that we so really, we really didn't get to see the game. We no, it it, it happened so quickly. And that's a and, um, Alabama, by the way. That's kind it, of that's what they do when they're on. They it's, it, it, and they they absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage. Is is what I remember on both sides of the ball. Um, and so I, I didn't really get a chance to go back and watch, but, but I think that some of the things that I see and I watched, I watch, I'm, we're going to show film from the LSU game. I watched the Tennessee game. I watched it live. I rewatched some of it on coaches film. I've watched this game. I watched most of the Mississippi state game live. I mean, I've, I've watched, I've seen Alabama several times now and I, and I still, I, I feel like some of the things that, that Lane has used in the past to attack that defense are the type of things that one fit what Ole Miss does, but also are the type of things that we're going to see because he knows the problems that it can potentially create. It is coach speak. It is obvious as all get out. But if there is a number one thing that I think Ole Miss has to do to be successful offensively in this game is they absolutely have to stay out of third and long. They cannot get in situations to let Alabama get into some of their more exotic coverage and pressure situations um, because it's it's where they play their best. I mean, we saw against the Ole Miss LSU game, we saw the young tackles get exposed. It's one of the things I know you and I talked about after the game. You wrote about it. Um, it the athleticism of those ends at LSU really caused some problems. And, and these can for- that, and, and, and listen, athleticism is not a place where this group is short, right? I mean, Will Anderson, I, those guys, they can go. And, and they are, there are times where Anderson will be freaking four yards outside the tackle. And he is so violent and so fast off the football. Um, Ole Miss is going to have to do a really good job of protecting those tackles. And part of the way you do that is staying out of those long down and distance. Now, that's one of the things we've heard about Ole Miss this year right, is especially in certain field positions is it might be third and eight and you still better have something there that can defend the run because Lane will give you four downs. He'll hand it off on third and eight, third and nine, knowing there's a chance he's going for it on fourth down. And so you have to treat them sometimes a little bit differently. But there are times where you know it's obvious and and what LSU did ultimately um, and and what Texas A&M was able to do to a degree for a stretch of that game um, was was get them into obvious passing situations. And we have talked before about how Ole Miss is yet to show a ton of dynamic diversity in the passing game, right? And and so so staying out of those third and longs because Nick and, and Golding and, and that staff at Alabama, they have so many different games that they can play and so many different things. So – this is a really nice design by LSU offensively. They get into a, a quads formation. So there are four receivers to the right, the outside receivers, actually the running back. And then they put their tight end and two, two receivers in a little bunch halfway between the widest guy and the offensive line. You have one receiver to the left. So 
Alabama is going to come in and they're going to play one of their cover one principles. It is a man-to-man principle. So they have a guy walked out man-to-man on the running back who's wide to the right, a guy that's man-to-man on the uh, receiver that is wide to the left. On the bunch, they're going to play a a technique where they are going to put the one guy man-to-man on the defender, and then they have two safeties off the ball that are responsible for both of the slot receivers that are off the ball. So in theory, the inside safety takes the first route that comes inside. The outside safety takes the first route that goes outside. Now, what LSU does here is they actually use a release where those two guys switch. So they try to put them in a little bit of a bind right there. And they're trying to give the quarterback an easy throw with the football. And this is actually a concept that Alabama runs a version of in this game for an absolute explosive play. They just window dress it a little bit differently. So this receiver is going to run a dig. The outside receiver is going to run this shallow concept. Okay. And then the inside receiver is going to run what's usually known as a Texas route or an angle route if you're playing Madden. He's going to start outside and then he's going to follow back underneath. So what you're trying to do here is essentially set a pick with your dig route. And when the outside receiver comes on the shallow and this safety takes it, the outside safety is expecting to catch an outbreaking route from the, from the third or fourth receiver rather. But as he works back inside, you've created leverage and an easy throw and read for the quarterback. So here, Daniel starts his progression on the opposite side of the field. He thinks he has a one-on-one matchup, and he's he's looking to take it. Okay, but he doesn't he doesn't get a doesn't get a great release. But he he takes this stop route to his receiver, and it is a really nice contested throw and catch. But as I go to the end zone copy, I want to show you the pressure that Alabama dials up. Okay, they get into what's known as a five-zero alignment. Okay. They cover up every offensive lineman. They have an outside linebacker standing up on the left. They have a defensive lineman that is between the left guard and tackle. The Mike linebacker is walked up over the center. There's another linebacker walked up between the right guard and right tackle. And Will Anderson is a good three yards outside the right tackle. So right now they are putting you in a protection situation where you have to you have there's essentially two things you can do. Okay. If you feel really confident that you know what's coming right here, if tendencies show you, you slide your line one way or the other, but they're so diverse you can't do that. So you have to get into a true 5-0 protection where you're basically saying, I've got him, I've got him. Everybody has a guy. But they also know that when you get these right looks. There. The 66 right there, Pete, last year on Friday nights was playing high school football in Monroe. I mean, he's, 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 he has developed into a very good football player. He had a very, very rapidly. And, you know, he looks pretty awkward in his stance right here, but he's pretty effective once the, once the ball snapped. Yeah. But so what Alabama does when they present you this is they get you into certain protection rules and then they're going to start moving players. They're not going to just be stagnant and come right at you is the ball snapped. So you can see both defensive linemen to the left of the offense are going to work across a gap. 
and they're going to take the middle linebacker, Toa Toa, who starts over the center, and he is going to loop all the way to the outside. Okay. And he comes free and he ends up, he gets a roughing the passer call right here and absolutely annihilates Daniels in the process. But he, he gets this roughing the passer. So the, the big thing, the way that this is designed to work is as these guys slant and come across on their stunt, if one of them wins and they create pressure, the quarterback has two options. He can get out away from it where Will Anderson is wide so that he can contain and catch it. And if he feels it and gets out and reverses out opposite of the pressure, now you get the looping linebacker that's working right to him. So it, it, it's a simple design. It's, it's a pretty common design, something that you'll see, but it's hard to sort out. And it is almost impossible to ask your guys to pass all that off. And, oh, by the way, the freshman that we just talked about, watch him get absolutely armbarred yeah. and thrown off of his feet. Bless his heart. By, by the outside linebacker. So so these are the situations that if Ole Miss wants to be successful, Jackson Dart cannot live in these situations throughout the course. Yeah, because look at the two tackles and then imagine that the Ole Miss is two redshirt freshman tackles. They're going to have their hands full Saturday. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I do think, think I think it's the key to the game for Ole Miss offensively. I, I I think that staying out of those third and long, obvious passing situations and being able to use balance to do it is going to be absolutely essential. Okay. The other thing I think you will see big time from Ole Miss on Friday night, and this is kind of one of the things I'm going to focus on here, along with those third down pressures, is. We've seen it all season from Ole Miss. It's going to look a little bit different in every game, but using motion to run the football. Okay. A lot of what Alabama does, they play a lot of match principles, which means that a player is going to match the path or the route of a player that he's assigned to. So here, Tennessee starts out, it is a four wide, two by two formation, and they're going to motion their slot receiver, who is their tight end, in towards the backfield, and they're going to snap it right as he gets into the backfield. Because of the coverage structure that that LSU plays, or excuse me, that Alabama plays, the Mike linebacker has to react to this defender. When they do that, there end up being four offensive players to that side of the formation. There's two receivers that are out to the right of the offense. There's the motion guy that's coming across to be your third and there's the tailback that's also aligned on that side. And that Mike linebacker knows he's responsible for pushing out to that fourth, uh, that fourth offensive player. So as a result, and all they're doing right here is getting to the wall screen that we've talked about that Ole Miss uses and loves so much. But you can see here as you watch this, as they motion the tight end across, the linebacker has to react. So pre-snap, they have six guys to defend this run play. But because of the motion and number 10 having to react to the motion, now they have five guys to block five. From a mathematical standpoint, it makes sense. And they're able to hand it off to the tailback, who's able to produce a pretty solid gain because, again, they negated numbers. They were able to use motion, take advantage of principles and rules of the defense right here, and, and handle handle the uh, handle the run. You can see Daniels here, his eyes, 
he is reading this linebacker. If this linebacker were to stay on the run, Daniels is going to pull it to throw the ball. But because he is widening with that motion, there's the handoff. There's there's an easy run. Keep you know keep the chains moving. Keep stay ahead of the sticks. Stay out of those passing situations that we've talked about being so crucial. Williams, so I'm going to show you. Williams is a nice back, but actually, if he, if he makes a little better read as a running back, he's got it, to blame. There's there. another cut, and he's got a bigger play. Vincent I agree. Judkins, I think, finds that hole. I, I, Ole Miss fans certainly can hope so. Um, here's another clip, okay? Again, talking about staying out of third and long. This is like a third and 11 right here, okay? Still fairly early in the game. And again, Alabama gets into um, this overloaded front, Okay. They have a nose that is shaded slightly to the left of the center. They have two guys lined up outside of the left tackle of the offense. Okay. They are showing you an overloaded side, but they still have the ability to blitz from the opposite side of the field. Okay. Here comes the blitz. It's just what, just what Alabama wants you to do is set your protection to the left is it looks like there's an overload of defenders coming from that side, and then they actually end up bringing the fifth and sixth defender from the opposite side of the formation, okay? If we look at this from the end zone right here. So if you're LSU, you are forced to, you you can do one of two things. You can either put your back on the widest guy, put your tackle here, and you can slide your protection away. And you may end up with an absolute mismatch for your running back and be out here blocking air with the right side of your offensive line. So typically what's going to happen and what Alabama knows is LSU is going to set their protection to the left where it's definite that you've got two guys over there. So tackle's going to fan, guard's going to fan, center's going to fan. He is going to have to step here. He's going to be responsible for anything in A-gap. He's going to be responsible for his end. And now the back is going to have to come across for this safety that's hanging out around the box. Okay. As this plays out, again, you can see a pretty good SEC back ends up getting matched up on a safety and get absolutely annihilated. Brian Branch, Sandy Creek High School here in Georgia. He's, I think during this game, they flashed a graphic. He's like the third highest rated safety in the, in the draft this year. I mean, absolutely comes in because he's so versatile and so explosive and absolutely blows up the tailback and puts him in the quarterback's feet. Even if he is not successful, okay, you look at the bull rush by Anderson, you look at the bull rush or the speed rush on the opposite side, and they are in Daniel's feet. He has an open receiver downfield. And the thing that Tennessee was able to do was was give them enough time to find those open receivers down the field because you, there are guys open on the film. They exist. You see it. But for Ole Miss to be successful, they can't live in situations where Alabama can get into these exotic pressure looks and expect that offensive line to be overly successful, in my opinion. So back to the other focus, I said, you know, kind of for the Ole Miss offense is motion to run, right? So here's another example. We showed you one just a second ago, how the motion affect the run fit. So if you pause this pre-snap, LSU has an H back to the right of the formation. They have two receivers to the left. They're going to motion one of those receivers to the right, again, affecting the run box and knowing that it's going to affect the, the, the role of the second level players 
for the Alabama defense. Now, right here, they end up pulling it, and Daniels pulls it, and it is not a successful play. But if you look at this from the other end, from the other view, the previous play that I showed you where they used motion to run, what LSU chose to do was they blocked the backside instead of read it, and they were able to block the five defenders in the box. Had they done the same thing here, the same recipe for success exists. But we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. They choose to read the end, which now gives Alabama the actual numbers advantage, and they get out leveraged. So I, I think we have seen Ole Miss read a ton, and I think we'll continue to see Ole Miss read things with the quarterback of the run game. But I think you're going to see several scenarios where Ole Miss is going to block all of those defenders, not read everybody, and they're going to use motion to create their numerical advantage in the run game instead of using quarterback read as much as we've seen them do in several games this year. Okay, Another clip, same idea again. They come out, it's again, it's a four-wide formation, two to the right, two to the left, and they're going to motion the tight end back in toward the box, just like I showed you earlier. It's a very similar result, but now they're going to they're hand the ball off, and they're going to use the tight end and the guard as a puller. Well, again, because of the, the, the coverage schemes that Alabama likes to run, this is essentially a cover one defense. They're playing match. These corners are locked up, and they're going to say man-to-man on anything that is not like an immediate underneath route. These safeties now, he is playing a combo coverage with this middle-of-the-field safety. 
if this guy were to release in right now, the middle field safety is going to take him. If he releases vertical or out, then this outside safety is going to take him and they gain a free hat, basically playing like a robber in the middle of the field. You have a little bit of a similar structure going on on the other side where the running back and wide receiver are being comboed off by this safety and linebacker to the right um, of the formation. So because they're in these man-to-man principle structures, when they motion, it affects and, and causes change in the coverage. Alabama ends up outnumbered. They don't fit it poorly, but they fit it just poorly enough. The guard and tight end do a good job. Ten fits this really well for Alabama. Um, I was not impressed with him early last year, but he's really gotten good. He's probably, you know, as good as Anderson and those guys are up front. He cleans up a lot of messes for them because he's really athletic and really active. And he doesn't do a poor job right here, but he's not able to get over the top and turn it back into any help. There's late, nobody getting there from a safety because the the receivers are pushing themselves vertical. And minus a hold on the outside by a receiver, it really should have been an absolutely explosive run uh, for LSU right here. Kind of skipping forward, just showing you, you know, a couple more. Same kind of deal. Again, they start out in the four wides. They motion another guy in. Here comes the same run scheme we looked at earlier with the exact same result, right? The motion affects the second level. Here comes the motion. The linebacker has to respect it and be prepared to take it. In addition to that, he's got to be worried about the quarterback and the run game, and it causes problems in their fits, and it's a solid game. So I'm going to skip forward to the last play for LSU. This was the uh, the play that sealed the deal. Okay, This is really similar to something they had done several times throughout the game. This is their first was, snap in overtime, correct? Their first snap in overtime. Okay. So they had run the wall screen several times where they were bringing the tight end back across the formation into the flat. Here they decide to do it a little bit differently, okay? And instead of really bringing him into a wall screen, they decide now that they're going to arc him and let him block. So, again, look what the motion does to the defense. As soon as he motions, you have all three safeties triggering. And where pre-snap, Alabama has four defenders on the second and third level to the right of the the offensive football. As soon as the motion happens and those safeties trigger – they go from four to two with oh, a yeah. third guy deep in the middle of the field. Now, here's the thing. Great job by the tight end getting to the linebacker that he's got to get to. Good read by the quarterback, athleticism by the quarterback to get outside and beat a talented player to the edge. But if you really want to talk about who made this play, watch the tailback and watch the job he does. This is the kind of stuff coaches nerd out about because he has potential to get this ball right here. Okay, He doesn't get it. He carries into the line of scrimmage, and he sees his quarterback break free. Watch what he does right there. Oh, wow. He goes and finds the only player on the field. Absolute hustle play, high football IQ to know I didn't get the ball. Here's where it's headed. Can I get out? He goes and finds the block right there on Brian Branch, and that's ultimately what gets Daniels in the end zone. What a play. That is fantastic That's, stuff. Absolutely. I and and it's not see that live. And and you're probably not going to. But between that and the job the receiver does down here at the bottom of the field, 
absolutely phenomenal high effort combined with the athleticism of the quarterback. And, and that's, that's ball game, you know, 86, Um, 86 makes a great play. The running back makes the play of the day. And then the receiver downfield blocks without holding. That's, that's really good stuff. Outstanding execution. So I think you'll see a lot of motion from Ole Miss's offense to run the ball as well as to throw the ball. But I do think that's part of the key to them continuing to be successful in the run game um, as, as we've seen. Okay. Ultimately, what I think it boils down to um, is Ole Miss's ability to play defense against Alabama. That's that's the bottom line. They they did good things at times against Texas A and M. They were far from perfect in that game. They were certainly better than they were against LSU. Um, you have a different type of explosiveness at quarterback, right? Bryce Young is not the most explosive runner Ole Miss has played, but he is uber effective when he moves because what he can do with the ball when he gets outside of containment. Um, but they also – I'm a I'm a Jameer Gibbs fan. Um, when Jameer Gibbs was in high school at Dalton High School in Georgia, uh, we were in his region his junior and senior year, had to play against him. Um, his junior year, literally, you could hear their coaches on the sideline screaming – you know, they'd be running something that's supposed to be downhill and A-gap, and their coaches are screaming, Jameer, bounce it, and it didn't matter. We could hear it, and we couldn't. His senior year, and I've, I've got to throw a shout-out here, his senior year, they come into our place. Um, uh, I was at Sprayberry High School at the time in Marietta, Georgia, and he was averaging something like 270 yards a game. It was unbelievable. Uh, our defense that night, held him to under 100 yards. It was the only time all season he got held under 100 yards until the playoffs, um, and it was one of the most phenomenal performances I've seen by a group of average kids. We had one kid on that field that is playing at Florida Atlantic right now, and there wasn't anybody else on the defensive side of the ball that was in the same recruiting hemisphere as Jameer Gibbs. And they, okay? tell, their, they tell their girlfriends every weekend, hey, you see that oh. guy? We stopped him. We stopped oh, him. I, I – Listen, I watch him make a big play on Saturday, and I text Chris Stewart, the defensive coordinator, and I say, Stewie, you still had the best plan for Gibbs, you know, um, <laughs> but, but because he did. And here's the thing, and this is what I give that high school coach great credit for recognizing. If you – everybody you watch, you will see plenty of clips of him doing this on Saturdays, no matter who he's playing. You know, you're taught as a defender to break down and get in position and and, and make this this perfect tackle – he has you beat as soon as you do that. So literally all week long, we we coached our kids, do not break down. If you get close enough, you launch, and you launch right at his hips and do not break down. And because so much of it, so many of his highlights, it's it's, it's the average kid breaking down, and he leaves their jock strap line on the turf yeah. and signs it for him and then takes off and scores. It's, right? the, basketball so equivalent was, of, it's the basketball equivalent of, of, of breaking ankles. Uh, that's a thousand percent what it is. And so Alabama knows that he is dynamic in the open field. He leads them in receptions as a running back. He leads them in carries as a running back. And so they do a ton of different things to get him involved. This is, I think, play two of the game the other night. Gibbs starts out to the left of the offense at wide receiver. They motion him into the backfield and they're just going to run a basic run scheme with a wall screen and the one that we've seen Ole Miss throw to Trigg and we've seen them throw it to Mingo, they're going to throw it to their All-American tailback. And they do enough blocking out on the perimeter. He has very good hands. And the kid is just slippery. 
And, and if you don't get your hands on him, he is going to cause problems in the open field because, you know, he is, he may not be as fast as the Texas A&M kid, but he is as complete and as slippery as anybody that you will find in college football. So right there, they start him in the backfield. They motion him over, right? They're going to do the same type of thing here where now it's going to look a little bit different. Bill O'Brien does a good job early in games, especially of using motions and shifts and trying to pick out certain things that he's getting uh, from the defense. So he's going to start here in an unbalanced formation. He has two wide receivers to the left. He has an eligible tight end to the left. He's covered up one receiver to the right, where they're going to motion the receiver from the right side over to the left, and they're going to trade the tight end back the other way. So when they do this, okay, LSU is coming out, and they're playing a version of a man-to-man coverage. So when the receiver goes in motion and the corner runs with him and the tight end trades back, right now LSU has four defenders over three to the left, and because because the corner ran with motion, which was an indicator, something they had picked up on film, you now have a tight end and a tailback on the right side of the offensive formation with one DB that's about 20 yards deep or 12 yards deep, and then one outside linebacker. So they use that motion, they use that shift to try and create a numbers game right here, and they 100% get it. So now what are they going to do? They're going to create an easy throw. They get the tailback underneath. He's going to draw the underneath coverage from the linebackers. And then there's the tight end right behind him for an easy game and an easy explosive. So they do a really good job. And and, and you can, people don't like Bill O'Brien. The guy knows football. He understands passing game. He knows how to get guys open. And he has a quarterback that 100% understands what's happening in front of him and where to go with the football. Let me ask a quick Alabama schematics question or strategic question. They run the ball exceptionally well when they run it. Statistically, they're top five in the country on runs yards per carry. Uh, <clears throat> attempts rushing per game, they're like 88. Are they not running enough? Is O'Brien overthinking it? So here's – I don't think they're as good up front as they have been at times. I, I do. I think that's part of it. I think that they they know how good their quarterback is, and because they maybe don't have the same guys at receiver for so long, we saw them play with one and two tight ends almost all the time, and use motion and play action and get those guys down the field on these double moves, and they were absolutely explosive. Waddle and Smith, right. Yeah. Well, when you're when you're not as talented up front, maybe you're better trying to spread defenses out to find lanes. Bill O'Brien is loves empty formations. He loves putting five guys out in the formation, and and when he has a quarterback that can handle it. And then he, his time when he was in New England was a big part of what they did. He did it in in, in Houston. Um, and Bryce is a guy that can handle it because he puts a lot on the quarterback from a protection standpoint of adjusting his protection when he gets in empty. And so he, I think at times he probably gets overly fascinated with what he can do because of what his quarterback can handle mentally. 
um, that maybe he gets away from some some certain things. Um, if Ole Miss plays them in a similar fashion than they played LSU, he is going to run the football. If he doesn't, Nick Saban will tell the whole country, including Bill O'Brien, to run the damn football. Um, so I, I think you'll see them possibly try to be a little bit more run-focused. But, again, he is going to use motions. He is going to use shifts, and like he does here. He uses it again to try and alter the structure of the defense. He's going to make guys fit things properly. And we have seen times where Ole Miss has not fit things well. And so he's going to do all this stuff to try and throw off the fit for Ole Miss. And, and so much of it is about getting number one in space. And that's that's what they're able to do right here. They start, they trade a tight end to one side. That affects the front. They motion a receiver. That now affects the back end. And they get the numbers they want. Alabama's able to handle all the movement. And then as soon as one gets loose, he's going to go get you some positive yards. Um, you know, same thing. They, they're going to come out and, you know, they love to run pin and pull. Uh, it, it, it's an outside sweep play for them. I actually look backwards. Um, it's an outside run play where they're going to try to pull and get big bodies out in front. Now had a ton of success doing it. Um, against even front teams, teams that don't play a head-up nose. Because what they'll actually do is they'll put the tight end on the widest defender here. They will go all the way down with the tackle, and then they will pull the guard and the center around, and the running back will cut off of their blocks. Now, because Ole Miss is an odd front, they'll have to handle it differently. There's two ways you can handle it. You can either go down on the head-up nose and still pull the center and the backside guard, or you can lock the center on the nose by himself and pull both guards. So part of the challenge, I think, for Ole Miss is going to be to give Alabama different front looks but still be sound in how you fit the ball from the second and third level. If this nose were to be head up on the center, you put Alabama in a bind because it's hard for them to get two guys out to pull. Now they can pull the tackle and the guard, but if Ole Miss is going to have a guy on that head up center, there's almost guaranteed to be a guy also on that tackle, which means the tackle now can't, can't pull. But because there's this backside three technique, if you block down and pull the center, it is hard to pull the backside guard because this guy is going to struggle to get to the three technique or the four eyes Ole Miss would probably play. If you put the nose head up and you say, okay, our center is good enough, I'm going to handle this nose, as long as you have this backside B gap contained, like they do here with the three technique, again, you can pull this guard, but it's hard to pull this guard. So how Ole Miss chooses to set the front, how they choose to maybe show different pictures, I think will be important to take away some of the more explosive runs from Alabama when they get into these pin and pull type situations. You know, you can see here, all they have to do is give give Gibbs just enough, and you can see what he did. I mean, this is an SEC safety right here. You can imagine what he did to poor high school kids in North Georgia. Um, you know, so so how Ole Miss, but that's the other thing too, right? When we talk about the importance of how Ole Miss is going to fit the football, 
This is get coming out now, and that's an offensive lineman coming out on Otis Reese, coming out on one of these old Miss safeties. It's going to have to turn the ball back into help, and now you not only have to be effective on the inside, you've got to get those backers scraping to get over the top. And if you don't, if you don't turn that ball back inside to your help, it gets to the next level in a hurry, and and things have a potential to get ugly. Um, you know, at the next level for for the Ole Miss defense. Okay. So, you know, I talked about Bill O'Brien loves empty, right? Here the, this is fairly early in the game. You are backed up on your own five-yard line. Your quarterback is standing in the end zone, and he's getting an empty, okay? This is one of his favorite concepts. To the three-receiver side, a lot of people in the NFL, they call it shock, okay? It was a, it was a big – Drew Brees loved this concept. The outside receiver is going to run a hitch, the inside receiver is going to run a slot fade or a seam. If it's zone, he's going to stay in the seam. If it's pressed and it's man-to-man, he's going to fade that route towards the numbers. And the third receiver is going to run a stick route. If I can throw that stick route, I throw that stick route there, no questions asked. If I get man-to-man, I throw the slot fade, pretty much no questions asked, Okay. If I get a numbers advantage on the back side, whatever my tag is back here, I can work that tag. Now, here, I think they like to work some type of an option route where this back receiver is essentially reading who's defending him. If the inside guy's defending him, he breaks out. If the outside guy is defending him, he's going to break in, and he's going to try to go find, find the grass right there. So Bryce Young does such a great job of, again, fixing his protection, but also knowing where to go with the ball. He knows he's outnumbered to the two-receiver side, so he's going to work the field down here. He's probably expecting blitz from his three-receiver side. He gets it, but he also can't throw the stick route right now. He wants to throw that ball to his tight end right now, but he knows he can't because he sees the safety rotating down. The corner shows him it is not man-to-man coverage. He's playing man. He looks like he's about to come play man, but the corner who's eight yards off has eyes inside, which means that he is going to play with depth. If he plays with depth, I cannot throw this fade ball because the corner is going to come to it. So Bryce processes all this really quickly, and without hesitation, he confirms that it's zone. He sees the corner back up, and so he just rips it out there right now to Gibbs. You know, again, this is like a first and 15, rip it out there right now, and he ends up bobbling the ball and only gaining about three yards. But if he doesn't bobble this ball, you've now got yourself in a very manageable second and 10. They ran a version of this concept at least six times in the game that I counted, and at one point they ran the exact same concept two plays in a row, ran something else, and then ran it again for a third time in four plays. It's They love it. So Ole Miss will definitely see empty out of the Alabama offense. They are such big fans of of doing it. Okay. So um I you know, the big thing for Ole Miss, and you and I have had this conversation this year, is is we've not seen a ton of explosion from the defensive line. We haven't seen a just a, a overwhelming sense of athleticism, right? And and the closest they've been is with them when Johnson has been healthy. They need him to be healthy on Saturday, okay? This is LSU, who we know is uber-athletic. 
They are showing pressure right here. This is two plays after what I just showed you. They're going to rush three right here and move the pocket. And not only are they going to be able to condense the pocket rushing three, they're athletic enough at linebacker to put a spy on him to now force him to move off his spot, find mm-hmm. his check down right now. And this is on a third and 12. And not just any spy, up. by the way. That's that's Harold Perkins. Pretty decent athlete. Yeah. Right? I mean, just, you know, yeah. I could use a couple of those next for, uh, this coming uh, Saturday, actually. I don't even have um, a team, and I want three or four of those guys. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. I, I, I just <laughs> – on my fantasy team. I mean, come on. So, but, but you see what they're able to do, getting pressure with three right there. And then, boom, there's your spy. He knows where to go with the ball. He finds his check down, but his check down had actually run himself out of bounds. And they're able to rally to it. So if Ole Miss can get them in long down and distant situations, they need to be able to find some modicum of success with rushing three. Because if you blitz him too much, you can get yourself into trouble. And that is a beautiful segue. Even if you don't have a Perkins, and Ole Miss doesn't, do you use a Troy Brown or someone as a spy? Do you feel like you have to contain young? They they have shown that, that they're willing to use all their linebackers as spies. If there's one thing you have to say about you know, Ole Miss's linebackers is they better be athletic because none of them are huge, right? And so I, I do think that they they trust those guys, and there have been times where I think they've handled it well. There have been times where where maybe they haven't. Um, it's it, it, there's a little bit of an art to being a spy, quite honestly. Um, you know, it's 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 there's a lot of instinct. You have to kind of feel the way things are shaping up in front of you, and you can't just stare him down and. I'm going to go where he goes because as soon as he steps the opposite direction, you're kind of screwed. So you kind of have to to feel and and, and have some presence there. And so I'm sure Ole Miss will have somebody there, um, you know, but this is where you have to be careful. And, and, and there's going to be a point in the game where fans are going to be watching. They're going to go, why are we not blitzing? Why are we not being aggressive? This is why. This is why you don't blitz him because the kid absolutely understands where to go with the football. LSU goes all out right here. They get, again, they get their running back. It's not Gibbs. It's one of their other ones, but they get him on the little Texas route. He creates separation right there and turns this into an absolute explosive, gets them down to, you know, inside the red zone, down right there at what the 10, 11 yard line. But you can see this from Bryce Young's point of view. He sees the pressure coming. He gives a fake cadence. He's going to go with justice protection. He, he knows what's coming. He knows where he's going with the football right now. As soon as he gets the look he's expecting to get, he knows where this ball is going. He's going to get his feet in the ground. He is not going to panic. Look at him. All he's doing right there, He again, he knows where the ball is going. He's looking at his running back. He knows where his back, and as soon as he gets his head around, ball's out. I'll take a shot. The ball could not have been thrown any freaking better. The line gives him just enough, and there they go. Yeah. He is as smart of a college football quarterback as you will find in quite some time. He really that that is why coaches think so highly of him. Um, similar kind of deal right here. Um, you know what what we just showed you, um, and this is actually I referenced it earlier. LSU ran the one of the first plays I showed you. LSU had a little four wide to one side, little bunch. And they they ran one guy on a dig, one guy on a shallow, and then they brought a guy to follow back underneath. Same idea right here. This is, um, you know, it's like a third and six right here, I believe. So there it is. The tight ends on the drag. There's the shallow. 
and there's Gibbs. And as soon as he sees what coverage it is, he knows right now here comes the pressure. They're playing man-to-man. You cannot, is if, if you try to play man-to-man on these guys and you see them trying to rush through all the traffic, you have three defenders here about to run into each other. But this safety that's responsible for the running back, he has to carry him to the flat because if, if he just keeps – the back just keeps going to the flat, he's wide open. As soon as he does, he knows where he's going with the ball. There it is, explosive move, first down, keep the sticks moving. So Ole Miss is going to have to – you can pressure him and be successful, but you better be right when you do, and you better have the right plan behind it to limit explosive plays. That's absolutely crucial. Um, you know, here you can see the ball snapped before, you know, the, all the receivers are even ready for it. They're in some tempo here, but they come out, they're in their empty checks. Okay. And again, the thing about, you know, is, is they're going to find space down the field and, and they're trying to take a shot right here, what it looks like to me. And I, I can't fully tell the outside receiver is going to run a dig. And normally he's going to go sit down and then pull back out. But if you watch, it actually looks like he tries to convert this thing into a wheel and they're trying to take a shot and he falls down. But but when it doesn't happen, see, he's almost running like this little sluggo where he's inside, he goes to release and then he trips and falls. When that doesn't happen for him, he doesn't panic. He gets his eyes back inside, pressure in his face, delivers a perfect ball. And, and again, I mean, you watch it from the end zone for a quarterback that is not very tall. You have to, and I do think it's one of the big things against him in particular, is you have to occupy the middle of the field defensively. Because you, you think about all these clips that we've watched of him throwing the ball. Now, almost all these balls have been thrown where? Middle of the field. He can throw it on the outside, but but he gets so much money over the middle of the field because he understands how to manipulate guys and he takes advantage of what you do. So I do think that, again, you know, from an Ole Miss standpoint, the the safety structure of the scheme that Ole Miss employs should help them protect the middle of the field. Um, But they're definitely going to have to do a good job there because if you mess around and give him freebies over the middle of the field, it usually results in, in big gains, okay? You know, here he's able to just kind of extend the play uh, with his feet again, it's them back and empty. But again, we talk about it. That's that's a four man pressure right there, four man pressure that gets him off his spot. And and there's a should have been holding call, pretty blatant right here on the right guard. Um, I believe it's either right guard or right tackle that that should have been called. And so you're gonna have to play some games with a front. You're gonna have to try to get them in situations. There's the hold right there. Uh, Alabama um, doesn't hold Pete. And, well, I, I apologize. Allegedly, he Thank held. You. Thank you very so, much. Um, but I'm going to skip forward, and this is the last one I'm going to show you. And, and, again, if you're an Ole Miss fan and you're begging for Ole Miss to be aggressive on Saturday, understand it has to come – it has to be calculated. Again, here's LSU. Bryce is going to come up again. He is adjusting. And if I go back to the wide shot of this, he sees what's happening. He sees the structure. He understands the rush principles. So he's actually going to call his tight end in. And he's going to put him on the line of scrimmage to now make him part of the protection where he can help chip before he releases right here. That is NFL stuff that you don't see from a lot of college quarterbacks. Now, flip side of that is this ball isn't out over the middle. It's to the outside, 
and it's off the mark. Right? I, don't, I don't think his shoulder's healthy. I, I don't think it is either. I, I think you could convince me that he doesn't have the same juice on the ball yeah. uh, because of that, because so much of what you see completed in this game certainly happens over the middle and, and underneath. So, you know, I think Ole Miss, again, I think they're going to have to be smart. They're going to be calculated about how they pressure. They're going to have to be able, obviously, to defend the run. But I think ultimately this comes down to Ole Miss's defense. Um, and I think that's their path to success on Saturday. Should be a really interesting game. Do you have kind of a gut feeling on how it goes? Or? <laughs> I'm going to be in the middle of our playoff game when this game kicks off. Um, we we have to play on Saturday this week. So um, I, I'm not even going to be able to watch it. I, I, after the game, I'll check scores. And I, I, I don't. Ole Miss has shown the ability to be effective enough on offense against anybody they play. It's can they be consistent enough on offense, right? And and defensively, um, they they have to play without laps, right? They, they, there there can't be the the stretch in the second quarter or whenever it might be where just they're not playing great defense. And so having the bye week, getting healthy, getting a chance to dive into some things, I'm sure has been big for them. Um, and I, I have not, I, I can't tell you that I've gone back to look, but if I had to guess, I would guess that Lane Kiffin coming off of a bye week is typically pretty successful. Um, yeah, I, it, I as an offensive play caller, I anticipate an incredibly brilliant first quarter of scripted plays. Yep. And then after and, that, it's players. That's, and that's, that's what, what Lane said. So, um, I, I certainly think it's, uh, I, I agree. I, I think that early on, you're going to see both coordinators. On on offense, and then um, you know, I, I I'll be curious to see. I, I don't I don't I don't know. Uh, last year, Alabama had a great plan, and and they won up front uh, against Ole Miss. And I mean, just from the jump, Corral was he, he couldn't breathe. Um, so if Ole Miss can control the line of scrimmage, I think they win the ball game. If they can't control the line of scrimmage, it can you know things can snowball, and that's what we saw in LSU. Ole Miss and Alabama again, 2.30 on Saturday on CBS. Don't forget to make walk-ons part of your weekend. They put everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Check out their uh, locations in Oxford uh, or if you're in the Jackson area in Ridgeland. We'll be back next week. God, we're getting close to the end here. I'll uh, be back next week with another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview. We will uh, look ahead to Ole Miss's uh, Saturday night date next week, either at 6 or 6.30. Uh, in Fayetteville against the uh, Arkansas Razorbacks. Ole Miss fans cheering for the Hogs this weekend then cheering against them uh, next weekend. We'll see what that game means or doesn't mean on uh, Saturday, and then we'll preview it on Pete's Pigskin Preview, presented by Walk-On Sports Bistro. For Pete, I'm Neil. Until next time, have a great weekend. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.